Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating how the simple truths of God apply to both the just and the unjust. You know, the law of sowing and reaping, that principle applies to Christian and non-Christian. We don't live under condemnation. We're forgiven for all our sins. But our sins and the consequence of our sins have not been removed, have they? Grace is sufficient. But sowing and reaping applies to both Christian and non-Christian. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Proverbs 22 says, He who sows inequity will reap sorrow. Hosea 8.7 They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. In fact, the simple truth all through Scripture is, you will reap what you sow. And the ancient nation of Babylon is no exception. Coming up, Pastor Xavier continues a study of Jeremiah chapter 50 by illustrating God's judgment past and future of Babylon, where we'll see firsthand God able to execute His righteous vengeance, yet see the purposes of His divine will served all the while. Jeremiah chapter 50, verses 1 through 20, and the message is entitled, The Judgment of Babylon. Verse 1 through 10, you have the doom of Babylon. Verse 11 through 16, the sowing and reaping of Babylon. And then 17 through 20, the restoration of Israel from Babylon. Babylon, by the way, is modern-day Iraq. Babylon has a long history of rebellion against God. Beginning with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel and uh, all the way to the book of Revelation, the mystery harlot Babylon. Genesis 10, Genesis 11, and Revelation 17 and 18. Now notice in verse 2, the declaration was to be among the nations. The word standard means a banner or a signal pole to be lifted up high. So all would see it. All were to know before it happened. So when it happened, they would know it was God. And the proclamation notice is twofold. Babylon would be taken or conquered. And the gods of the Babylonians would be useless to her. Bel would be shame. Bel means Lord, the storm god. Merodach would be broken in pieces. He was the chief god of Babylon, sometimes called Marduk. Notice in verse 3, the instrument of God to judge Babylon had already been picked. He would come out of the north, namely Medo-Persia. They would make Babylon desolate. Notice that. The land of Babylon would become uninhabited, man and beast. And as we look to the history of Babylon, remember, now we're going to mention this back and forth. There's a short-term and a long-term fulfillment. God's not through with Babylon. Okay? It's not completely fulfilled in its its totality. It's only partially fulfilled. Notice, secondly, here in verse 4 and 5, the judgment of Babylon would mark the return of Israel to her land. In verse 4, the particular time is identified by the phrase, In those days and at that time, the day of Babylon's destruction, is the reference here. The time of liberation for Israel that was coming in 538. The command for God's people to leave Babylon is proclaimed. In verse 8, they were to go out of the land of the Chaldeans, leading like a ram, rushing out of the sheepfold. In verse 9, the reason... The judgment uh, is coming to her, is given. Yahweh said, I will raise and cause a confederacy of nations to come up against Babylon from the north 
country. So again, the enemies picked. They would array themselves against her. From there, Babylon would be captured, he says in verse 9. And so you see, the doom of Babylon was certain. It still is certain. Now notice, secondly, the sowing and reaping of Babylon is found in verses 16, 11 through 16. First of all, in verse 11, the punishment of Babylon would be for two reasons. Mark them well. There are many as through the passage, but right here we've given two. First, because Babylon had a condescending attitude. Listen, Babylon was glad and rejoiced in the execution of her severe treatment of Judah. Babylon was a destroyer of Yahweh's heritage. They had gone too far in their consuming of Israel arrogantly. God used them and he gave them boundaries. They went beyond those boundaries. And God says, nah. And so now heavenly justice would be administered to them on an earthly level. Notice secondly, still in 11, because Babylon had a consuming appetite. She had become enthralled and spoiled with the material things and the spoils of war. Babylon bellowed like bulls, neighing like a steed or snorting like a stallion due to her strength and vigor. It's all saturated with pride, arrogance. Notice, secondly, in verse 12, the punishment of Babylon would reduce her to nothing among the nations. Speaking metaphorically, Babylon is personified as a mother who bore her people. And she would be ashamed, deeply ashamed. Confused, confounded, a reproach. Speaking prophetically, Babylon who was at one time the head of gold, would become what? The least of the nations. A wilderness, a dry land, a desert. Going from number one to number zero. Overnight. Notice thirdly in verse 13, the punishment of Babylon was a result of God's wrath. And this is repeated throughout the two chapters. Because of the wrath of the Lord, she would not be inhabited, but she would be holy desolate. Jeremiah looking to the judgment of the Gentile nations back in chapter 25 said this, Then I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all nations drink to whom the Lord has sent me. 25.17 The cup of the Lord's wrath, the cup of the Lord is a metaphor throughout the scripture for judgment. Revelation 16.19 John says, now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierceness of his wrath. Notice fourthly, verse 14 through 16, the punishment of Babylon was commanded by God. God is the one who is ordering this whole battle, as we have seen in the other Gentile judgments. Verse 14, the call to battle is declared by Yahweh. Yahweh called me to Persia. To array herself with bow and arrow, sparing none, due to the fact that she has sinned against, here's the bottom line, the Lord. David said, against you and only you have I sinned in Psalm 51. That's primarily what sin is, against God. Then I sin with you and I sin against you. But primarily sin is against God. This is the number one sin against this nation. It had sinned against Yahweh. The Medes and Persians are given their orders by God. Put yourself in array against Babylon all around. He's the one that says, today, now, the particular plan of attack is given. All you who bend the bow, shoot at her, spare 
no arrow. The ultimate reason for her reaping is given, for she has sinned against the Lord. Again. Verse 15, the crumbling of the nation is described by Yahweh. Babylon would surrender. Shout against her all, against her all around. She has given her hand. The given her hand is a euphemism for surrender. Babylon would be dismantled. Her foundations have fallen. Her walls are thrown down. 300 feet high, 80 feet thick. Now, it didn't happen through Medo-Persia, but as you move through history, it took place. Okay? Babylon would deserve her punishment, for it is the vengeance of the Lord. And Babylon would reap in kind, take vengeance on her, as she has done, listen, so do to her. This is repeated throughout the two chapters. So the long term is at the end of the age. The short term would be through Medo-Persia, Cyrus, Darius, 538, 539, and then 536, Cyrus lets them go back. The drunken feet of Belshazzar, his knees smoting once against another. When he saw the writing on the wall, he sobered up real quick. And Daniel read the writing for him. Your number's up. Notice 16, the cutting off of food is commanded by Yahweh also. Yahweh gives the order to cut off the sore from Babylon and uh, him who handles the sickle at harvest time. Food is essential. The manner Yahweh would accomplish it would be for fear of the oppressing sword. Everyone shall turn to his own people and everyone shall flee to his own land. The presence of the Medo-Persian army and all the other empires with them would strike fear in the people's heart and they would abandon the fields. There would be no cultivation of the land. They would be shut up in the city. You know, the law of sowing and reaping is like a boomerang. You might have a strong arm. And you might throw a little farther. But don't turn around and walk away. Because it's going to hit you right in the back of the head. That principle applies to Christian and non-Christian. Now, we don't live under condemnation. We're forgiven for all our sins. But our sins and the consequences of our sins have not been removed, have they? We have to deal with those things, don't we? With the grace of God. They don't disappear. So we must understand the principles of sowing and reaping. I don't live in condemnation. And grace is sufficient. But sowing and reaping applies to both Christian and non-Christian. The 17th chapter of Revelation describes for us religious Babylon and her judgment. Babylon is the apostate church which will promote the Antichrist through the false prophet to be the head of the Ten Nation Confederacy at the beginning of the seven years. Daniel 9.27, Israel will make a covenant with the Antichrist. Babylon will be judged and destroyed by God through the hand of the Antichrist in the middle of the seven years, which is the beginning of the last three and a half years which is the great tribulation or what's called the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet which Jesus quoted in Matthew 24:15 so God will give rise to this man the world will accept him and God will use him to destroy Babylon okay and then ultimately destroy him also and judge him 
Babylon is the epitome of the Laodicean church, who declares that she is rich, wealthy, and in need of nothing, while not knowing that she is wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked in Revelation 3.17. Miserable, lukewarm. Babylon will be the center and will be centered at Rome in the last days. In the 18th chapter of Revelation, it describes for us the commercial and political Babylon and her judgment. Babylon will be the religious, commercial, and political capital of the world for Satan's Antichrist. All will hail him. All will follow him. Those who don't will have to die. Babylon will be the capital of the Antichrist in the last three and a half years, which again is called the Great Tribulation. Babylon will be judged by God at the end of those last three and a half years in that Great Tribulation, which will usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. We will come back with Him. In fact, Babylon is mentioned more in Scripture than any other city except Jerusalem. 264 times Babylon is mentioned. Isn't it interesting? What's the intertwining theme of 1551? The judgment of Babylon, the restoration of Israel. What are the two cities that are mentioned more than any other ones? Jerusalem and Babylon. How interesting. The sowing and reaping of Babylon was past due. It had arrived. Notice lastly, in verse 17 through 20, the restoration of Israel from Babylon. First in verse 17, the past judgment of Israel are described. Israel is portrayed as a scattered sheep in verse 17. Lions have driven her away. She was defenseless. The enemies were stronger than her. And first is mentioned the king of Assyria who devoured him. And again, don't get freaked out when uh, masculine pronoun is used for the nation. Okay, In poetry, it's used back and forth. We've seen this through Jeremiah. The northern kingdom was taken by Assyria in 722 for her idolatry. Tilgath-Pileser took them, 2 Kings 15.29 is one passage, you can look up the rest, there's cross-references. The death of Ashurbanipal in 627 B.C. brought a rapid decline till the overthrow of Nineveh by Babylon in 612 B.C. The second king that is mentioned here is now Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had taken Judah and what? Broken Judah's bones. These are the two instruments of God's judgment, okay? The first siege was 606 B.C. The second siege, 596. The third, 586. Seventy years. Release in 536. Seventy years captivity. Notice secondly in verse 18, the present judgment of Babylon is declared then. This was the only conclusion. The word therefore implies conclusion in scripture. You know that. The commanding general is the captain of the armies of heaven, the Lord of hosts. The common right to defend Israel was based on the fact that he was what? The God of Israel. The right that you have to correct your child is you're the father. Your neighbor steps in, there's going to be problems. The one doing the punishment was Yahweh. Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land through the instrument of the Medo-Persians. The comparison is a historical one. Don't miss that. As I have punished the king of Assyria, so he would punish the king of Babylon, both for their pride 
and going beyond the boundaries that God had allowed. And notice thirdly, verse 19 and 20, the future judgment regarding Israel is defined. There is first the near future fulfillment. Verse 19, Yahweh would return Israel to her home. I will bring back Israel to his home. Yahweh would provide for her. And he shall feed on Carmel and Basham. His soul shall be satisfied on Mount Ephraim and Gilead. Carmel, as you know, those of you who have gone to Israel with us, is the mountain there on the Mediterranean, on the northern part of Israel. Basha is a district east of the Jordan, known for its fertile region, which was given to the half-tribe of Manasseh. Mount Ephraim was the central mountainous district of Palestine, occupied by the tribe of Ephraim. So they would come back to their land. They would have the full benefit of the land as God had intended from the beginning. And so this whole area there, he describes very specific, very detailed, uh, God's fulfillment. But notice that that's short term, that's near. But there's a far future fulfillment, the long term one here, Mentioned secondly, the phrase once again appears in those days and in that time in verse 20. The way we know how to interpret this phrase is by the context. In this case, it's evident that the context is long term fulfillment by what follows. The authority is again Yahweh, says the Lord. The promise is the iniquity of Israel shall be sought. But there shall be none in the sins of Judah, but they shall not be found. I will pardon those whom I preserve. This is nothing but the long-term covenant that Jeremiah spoke about in chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. This has not yet happened. Israel's sins have not been pardoned. Israel is not living for God. This is the long-term. You remember when Elisha said... Hear the word of the Lord, thus say the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seah of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now you remember this time, there was famine in the land, they were selling a donkey's head for so many pennies. Okay? And so an officer whose hand the king leaned on answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And Elisha looked at him and said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Second Kings 7, 1 and 2. And you know what happened to the story. God sent one angel out and killed 185,000 frontline Assyrian troops. The lepers went out there. They said, listen, if we stay here, we're going to starve. We're going to die. Let's go out. If, they, if their Assyrians are merciful to us, they give us some food, fine. If not, they kill us. Who cares? They went out there, not a soul. They started feeding their faces. One of them said, you know what? This is no good, man. God's going to kill us. We're going to get it. This is bad. Let's go back and tell the people. They told them. They came out. The next day, here they're selling exactly like the prophet said. And this man saw it, but when they opened the gates, he was trampled to death. If they open the window, listen, whatever God says, I don't care how impossible you think it is, you better believe He can do it. It's no problem for Him. He told Jeremiah when he was in jail, I'm on the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything impossible for me? No. God made two important promises to Israel in the law. 
Listen to him well. Deuteronomy 28:64. He would scatter them throughout the world for disobedience and rejecting their Messiah. He told them that way back in the law. He kept his word. Then he said he would regather them in the last days and bring them back into their land. He's kept his word. For 2,000 years, the Jews have survived without a homeland. Ezekiel's vision, Ezekiel 37, marks the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Can these bones live? You know, Lord. And he saw them rise up and sinew and skin, and they stood on their feet. In May 14, 1948, Israel declares independence for the third time and became a nation. God also said that he would cause the land to become a garden of Eden. And the wastelands that were desolate, the flower in Ezekiel 36. The Turks devastated the land of all vegetation and trees. 200 million and over 200 million trees have been planted throughout Israel. If you've gone over there, you know they have forests now. Israel, I believe, is still number four exporter of fruit in the world today. Even as Isaiah 27, 6 says, Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit, yet it is about the size of New Jersey. Islam's goal is to drive out the West, out of the Middle East, namely the United States, and deliver Jerusalem and Palestine. But they don't want just that. Islam's goal is to destroy the influence of Judeo-Christian order and take world dominance. It is the only religion that has world conquest and dominance as a goal. I'm not saying there aren't any good people in Islam. I'm not saying that in America there are not nice people. But everything that comes to, to America gets defanged and declawed. Okay? But you want to look at Islam. You look at Islam in the Middle East and you look at the history of Islam. It is a bloody history. Listen, I don't see any Mexicans blowing themselves up or Canadians. To me, the problem is real simple. Remember that what took place in the Temple Mount in 1990. 3,000 Arabs gathered at, Mount, at the Temple Mount and began to throw rocks and bricks over the Wailing Wall. Throughout Jerusalem, a call to Muslims went out to go to the mountain to kill Jews because they were going to profane the Temple Mount, which was not so. That was October of 90. A holy jihad was proclaimed. Now we are familiar with that term a little bit better. Police used tear gas and rubber bullets and then live bullets. Nineteen were killed, fifteen were injured. There were thirty police against three thousand Arabs and Muslims. All condemned Israel, even the United States. Syria and Iran made a pact and allegiance to link their destinies together as one then. Nothing has changed. Bin Laden and all the Muslim world rejoice as they destroyed the Twin Towers. The Muslim world has a goal to conquer the world. Its target is first Israel, then the United States. It is the fastest religion growing in the world. What a message for our day. The prophecies are still being fulfilled regarding Babylon. The doom of Babylon was certain. The sowing and reaping of Babylon was past due. And the restoration of Israel from Babylon was coming. May God give us wisdom to know the times that we're living in. And we pray for our president, for our nation, for our troops. And pray that God save many. May God give us wisdom. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, relating the ever-unfolding biblical prophecy for Babylon, spanning the pages of the Old Testament through the headline news of today. And you're listening to Simple Truths. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled The Judgment of Babylon are available, as always, on CD for only $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is simply The Judgment of Babylon, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com